throw away all my recordings of the voice. Because the last thing I need is a little white Billy Gilman singing after this group. I'm telling you. This is all the music I needed today. Wow. And so uh, I like Billy Gilman, but he's, uh, what can I tell you? I got to say something about the musicians. I don't know who the drummer is, but he's so absolutely cool. He just sits on the drums, and it's like he's not doing anything, but his hands are all over the place, you know? And the only thing I knew that he was a little bit tired is when he came out here, put his feet out, and went, oh, my God, what happened to me? You know, he's laying over here. Did you see him laying over there? He put his head back, man, where's my footrest, you know? It was hilarious. I thought, well, he's there. And then, then I thought, I needed to lose some weight, and I was thinking about, I need to lose some weight, and I figured out how I'm going to do it. I'm going to take up bass guitar and play like that guy because that man's moving all over the place on the bass guitar. I thought, now that's how you lose some weight. I don't know how to do that. Uh, but I, then there's, I, I turned to my wife and said, who's that good-looking guy playing the keyboard over there? And, she, and the young lady next to me says, well, that's Junior. That's Charles Junior. Dad's over here. You know, he's like this. You know, he's doing all the things. That, and Charles Junior's just like, yeah, I'm right here. I, I, I got, I'm just, everything's going to be okay. He's going to be fine a little bit, but I'm just going to keep on playing, you know. I just love Charles. He's just sitting there going, I'm cool. Dad's out somewhere. Uh, now, I had a lot of messages I wanted to bring. I wasn't sure which one to do. So I'm just going to take my cue from Brother Lewis Price here. I'm going to start one, and when that doesn't go over well, I'm going to start another one. And eventually, we're going to get to the one I needed to say. And then I'm going to stare at my wife as much as he did. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was beautiful. Uh, Charles, thank you for your friendship. I've... Uh, I was listening to some of your teachings online and um, was one of the reasons I invited him at our fall conference to come and speak. Because I couldn't think about going to our fall conference without Charles and some of his brothers showing up and helping us to have a far more transparent and vulnerable congregation, uh, conversation. And where... Things needed to be said, and we needed to hear and listen. And it was so good. Charles, if you, don't, if you get a chance, you go to our website, show them where it's at, and watch what Charles and, uh, and a couple of the brothers did in speaking to us about all of the, the giant issues we face within the urban context. And Charles was, he was preaching a storm up for us that time. And the thing that, I, don't know, I hope you felt that, Charles, that the, the love and reception by everybody saying this was so important for us to hear it. So it was just the beginning. And it, it was so touched me. I asked Charles, I said, Charles, you know, we have all sorts of leadership in our district, but I said, I need you. Would you step forward and be a leader in our district? And would you help us serve the urban conversation and all of what God's called us to do? And I just want you to know your pastor has stepped forward, and he's one of the leaders in our district now, having a voice to us. 
plus we get him to play piano for free. And, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, oh yeah, there, there was something else going on there, wasn't there? So I, I listened to him, and this is one intelligent man. I mean, he is sharp. But then I got Charlene's dissertation sent to me in the mail, and I realized he actually married up. Man, oh man, I haven't broke out out of dictionary for a long time. You know what I'm saying? I'm not sure what that went, meant. Let me look on that and kind of Wikipedia that thing there. This is one brilliant lady here you've got in there. This is a man. So when I was thinking of the two of them, which one bears the greatest intelligence, I finally ended up with it. It actually was Charles for marrying her. So... <laughs> So thank you for being a voice to our district and continuing to be. Thank you for taking on a role of leadership uh, so that we can learn and grow together. Uh, you're a needed voice. You're a friend. And I treasure the fact that our long-term friendship allows for this opportunity to serve. So thank you. And that you would invite me on this day to share with your congregation. Uh, there's been so much celebration going on. I know the wisdom uh, listen, I was co-pastor with Jack Hayford. He not only started on time, he started on time, he never ended on time, okay? Th that's the cue for Jack, you know? It's just sort of like, I'm just going to preach until I'm done or exhausted or everybody else faints. And um, I have learned some things working with him. I know actually how to end on time and because I'm closer to the food and I can actually smell it. So... I mean, I'm, I'm hurting all over on the inside right now, wanting this thing to be done. <clears throat> so I, I'm going to be br more brief today, partly because not, not only you've been here for 13 hours, but uh, I wanted to be brief because I want to be succinct so that what I say is what gets treasured into the context of what the Lord's saying today. I don't want it to be filled with a lot of uh, peripheral kind of information. I just need you to hear what the Lord's saying. Uh, is that me? Am I okay? Okay, you're going to run with it? Okay, you think I'm okay. Well, that's a vote of confidence. Uh, so he asked me, he says, I need you to bring a word. And last night, I was, before I went to bed, I told my wife, I said, I sense this is what I'm going to say, but I'm I'm still mulling it over. And early this morning, in the mid middle of the morning, uh, at night, I should say, I woke up and I, I heard the Lord say the phrase, tell them this, that I have more for them. Tell them this. God has more for you. In fact, why don't you turn and say it to the person next to you. Say, God has more for you. And the reason I know these kind of words are so important let me, is that me? I don't know, let me see. Where's your? It's in my cheek. Oh, well, I'll take, this let's just switch mics. Is he muted now? Mute, 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 mute is. Okay, that seems better. Okay. I'm going to give you this one. That's it, right there. No, I'm going to sing. And, uh... <laughs> Get ready, I'm going to sing right at you. Uh, <laughs> so here I am, a freshman at college, 
and my teacher is Jack Hayford, and we have his class three times a week. And every time we come into class, we have to memorize a verse of scripture. And the very first thing when he walks into class of students, take out your pen and paper and write down this text of scripture that we've been memorizing. He wanted us in the word. And um, just like any good Bible college student, I'd, I'd arrive at class early to start memorizing the scripture for that morning, right? <laughs> well, it was about two weeks in when all of a sudden we got a real big boost in our, our ability to memorize. One of, the, uh, one of my classmates was a gifted artist and musician, and he would write a song, you know? And so he just went up to the keyboard, and he'd take the verse of scripture that we were supposed to sing that day, and he'd start to play it. And he would just make up a song. And we'd start worshiping the Lord together. I don't think Jack ever figured out what had happened because, but during the middle of all the tests, you could hear him start humming it behind us right there. And like, oh man, we're, and none of us missed it from that time on. My classmate's name was? Audrey Crouch. <laughs> Audrey Crouch was my classmate. And, uh, and I remember, and you do too, and you said it just a minute ago. The fact that I had it in my notes is so crazy. We need to hear from you. We need a word from you. If we don't hear from you, what will we do? Wanting you more each day, show us your perfect way. There is no other way that we can live. My suspicion of what part of what brings you to a fellowship like this all the time is not just because there is great music. There certainly is that. Not only because you have a beloved pastor and wife and dear friends. I think you show up in places like this because you want to put yourself in a place where you'll hear from God. You want to know that God is speaking today and that he's going to register something. You need to go someplace where he's read your mail. And you need to show up without informing anybody and he starts to speak to you and that's the Lord speaking into my heart and life. See, my responsibility today is to tell you something that God is saying, but try to fill it in a little bit so it makes it more meaty for you, that I believe God is saying that he has more for you. You've talked about remembering your past, and you've done such a, a lovely job in the testimonies that were shared, but you're also celebrating the future. Uh, there's a, another way that I've always said that thing is, is honor your past by serving your present, and then assure your future. And so when I looked at this, uh, this uh, word the Lord had, I decided there were two texts, one that you'll know and one that's a little bit more rare. Here's the one you know. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all you ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within you, to him be glory in the church in Christ Jesus through all generations Forever and ever. It's, it was Paul writing about God, and he ends up with this doxology of praise. And the only way he could encompass everything he wanted to say about this God who was working on our behalf was simply these words. He's able to do immeasurably more. Immeasurably more than what I can ask or even imagine about how many of you have got, like me, a bit of your imagination that hasn't been quite redeemed? <laughs> I mean, you know, there's some of us are half glass, not half full, but are half empty. 
You know, I mean, I'm a guy who has a strategic mind, so I'm always strategically planning for what? The worst case scenario. Right? Where we're going to plan out. We're going to have 19 different ways to get there because the first 18 are going to go really by the board in a hurry. And so we're constantly trying to think of how to get there. See, I have, I have a way of imagining that's not helpful. But I have a God who says that he's going to do more than I can imagine. I can imagine the worst. He imagines the best. So it's not just that God is imagining more than me. Even if your imagination is broken, and all you can think about is what's going to go wrong, the good news is that Jesus Christ is imagining something better for you. Now, if we had a little more time, I would take you on a rolling journey through the Old Testament. I'll let you do it by yourself. Just look up these marvelous words. Be fruitful and multiply. Listen to the language of creation when he said it to Adam and Eve. He says, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. He just wasn't saying, have children. He was saying, there is something about your life that is to be so healthy and so alive that it needs to reproduce itself again and again and again. And I want you to populate this world with the health and healing I'm working in your life. Now, you can follow that text throughout Scripture, that phrase throughout Scripture, and you'll find it repeated as covenant language, where God is making a promise to people, you're going to be fruitful and multiply. It's the same words he said to Noah when he came out of the ark after God had judged the entire planet because of sin. He says, we're starting over. And what was the first words he said to him? Be fruitful and multiply. Anybody here ever made a mistake somewhere that makes you feel like you've gone under for a while? And then when you kind yourself coming back unto God's redemptive purposes in your life, what does he say to you? Well, you sure blew it. We could have done a whole lot more with you if you would have stayed straight in the first place. No, he comes to broken people like us who get redeemed, and he says, guess what? It's still true. I can do immeasurably more than you could ask or imagine. You follow that language to the scripture, you'll see it again and again. You'll talk about when God's starting a people, when he called Abraham out and says, we're going to do something spectacular. I'm going to call you out. I'm going to anoint you and grace you in a way that's going to challenge the entire world. And he said to him, he says, Abraham, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. And if you've begun something new in your life, launched into a new opportunity of your profession or your personal life, taken on a responsibility for the kingdom purposes, wherever you're at, launching a new season after 25 years. This is where God meets up with people, and like he does with Abraham, when he calls them out to a new time, he simply says, be fruitful and multiply. We better start saying that phrase right now. Be fruitful and multiply. Every subsequent generation got that word. Whether it's from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, that word gets repeated again and again. And to every young generation, that way would lie to you in sociology and tell you that you are going to be worse off than your parents. We need to say to that generation, no, the promise of God to every subsequent generation is be, say it, fruitful and multiply. That the promise is that Christ awakened today on the other side of the election and said, I can do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. Why? Well, I almost felt like breaking out in a song right there. I just, uh... 
problem was it was Led Zeppelin. And uh, <laughs> or uh, the Beastie Boys came to my mind too. You know, got to fight for the right to party. I don't know where that one came from, but let that thing go. I told you I wasn't completely healed yet, so hang in there with me. <laughs> I'd like to see you play that one. Uh, <clears throat> I actually did a funeral with the Beastie Boys in, in, in present, and uh, one of their drummers, who happens, uh, the one who built their drum sets, was my cousin, and he died very young. And I got up, and they had just played their song, We Got to Fight for the Right to Party. And I had to get up after that and said, Ladies and gentlemen, I need to make an announcement. The party is over. And uh, <laughs> Boy, that was fun. Yeah. yeah well... They were nice enough to stay for a day. Uh, fruitfulness is an outcome of our lives. Now, I told you there's a popular scripture. We read that. And we could go on and talk about the language of the Old Testament God who makes this covenant fruitful, multiply, fruitful, multiply. It doesn't end. It just keeps on going. But the most surprising expression of it is found in this obscure text in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 21. Let me read it to you. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. Where's the fruitful and multiply? Well, to get to the fruitful and multiply, you got to go back to the text where that story was taken from. And it was taken from a text in Genesis chapter 41. Now, let me set this up. Hebrews 11 is known as kind of like the Hall of Fame. Well, maybe the Hall of Faith. When you read Hebrews 11 and about the faith there, and there's the list of the names and these uh, patriarchs and, uh, and matriarchs and people and disciples and people's names we don't even know who sacrifice their life. I mean, Hebrews 11 is big-time stuff. And Jacob is in there. Now, when I saw Jacob's name in there, my mind immediately thought of what Hosea chapter 12 says. Hosea tells the story of Jacob in this crazy kind of way. It says, Jacob was one that God had spoken over at his birth. He was selected by God. And Hosea said, here's this man, young baby, that was, it was a miracle that his mom even got pregnant. And then as he was being born, God said, the younger will rule over the older one. Or the older one will be ruled over by the younger one, which is totally opposite in the Jewish culture. And then Hosea went on to say about this Jacob is that this is the one who wrestled uh, with God, who had his hip dislocated and his name changed to Israel. This is the one who fell asleep on a rock in the middle of a nondescript area, saw God's activity, and named the place Bethel, the house of God. See, when Hosea talks about Jacob, he says the three things that I think should form out why he should be in Hebrews chapter 11. Let me read to you why he's in Hebrews 11. He was dying. He blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. That's why he's in Hebrews 11. Now, I've got to tell you, I read that and I'm going, Really? I'm thinking, shouldn't he be there? Because God miraculously opened his mother's womb and then prophesied over him that I don't care what culture says about you. 
I don't care about what tradition says in limiting you. There's going to be something about your life that is God-shaped, and there is more for you than you would have imagined within your cultural setting. I mean, that sounds like a place to say, yeah, I'm good in Hebrews 11 on that one. Thank you. And if that didn't happen, then he's running from his brother because he faked him out of his birthright, and he's heading off to his uncle Laban, and he falls asleep in the middle of the place. He puts his head down, and while he's asleep, he sees a dream, and in that dream, there's a staircase on earth and in heaven, and on that staircase, angels are ascending and descending. And what does he do? He wakes up and says, God is in this place, and I didn't know it. How many times... Have you awakened to the activity of God that you didn't even know was going on in your life? How many times have you wondered what on earth is going on only to discover it's more than just on earth that's going on here? There's a heavenly interaction going on. There is the presence of God, that God is working the night shift in your life. And that all of a sudden, when you thought because you weren't doing something Nothing was getting done that, in fact, the God you serve was at work actively bringing the heavens to bear upon your circumstances and in your life. You see, when you talk about the more, you've got to be a person who views themselves as a person of promise. That there's something from your very beginning that God put his thumbprint on and that you uniquely are going to make a contribution that nobody else gets to make, nobody else will make. You've got to become the kind of person that there is no place where God isn't already where I'm going. I love that passage of Scripture says, it's Jesus' great words, he says, I go to prepare a place for you. But what if that is not just heaven in the, in the afterlife? What if it is just that God's ahead of us, preparing us for the very place our hearts long for, but we don't know how to get there? And that means that in the middle of my journey, I'm on a way to discovering where God is already at work, and I get to join him in that. That's a part of the more. I have more for you. What's more? The more is God's at work in my life. He's ahead of me in my life. He's going to meet me in the place I didn't even know he was active in, and but I was desperately in need of him in. Well, those aren't the reasons why Jacob's in Hebrews 11. Well, what about that one where he wrestled with the angel? You know, you know he, he sends all the kids ahead, say, you know, you guys go ahead, I'll follow, and he, and he finds the angel of the Lord. They call it a theophany, a visitation of God in physical form. And he's wrestling with the angel and won't let him go. And then God dislocates his hip. I just think there's something magical about that, really. And it's basically, I've come to the conclusion, never trust a leader who doesn't have a limp. I mean, really. Never trust a leader who doesn't have a limp. Why? Because you've been around a lot of people who've been beat up, but there's something there's a beauty, there's a fragrance about somebody who's been broken. Someone who's allowed themselves to be broken by God. That out of the fragrance of who they are, something emerges because it's not self-manufactured. It's not somehow framed out by all their skill sets. There's just this beautiful presence of God's work that's been going on. And when you are around them, you don't smell sweat. You smell the fragrance of God's activity. 
that they wrestled with God. And what did Jacob say? He says, Jacob. He didn't say Jacob. He says, what's your name? And he said, my name's Jacob. He wasn't just telling God something he didn't know. He was telling God something that he hadn't owned. My name's Jacob. The name Jacob means usurper. Remember when he was born, he had his brother's heel in his hand. Got to make a mom unhappy about that move. Doesn't anything like you when you're giving birth? Thank you very much. Stop that. <laughs> but he had a hand on his heel to say, no, I'm coming first. And then the rest of his life was trying to manipulate every circumstance not to be in control of everything else, but to somehow, if God's promised to make me something, then the end justifies the means. I get to do whatever I want because I'm now going to bring glory to God. And that's the whole error of our lives. We get a prophetic word spoken over us, and then we try to live it out, but all we do is live out our bias. What we have to do is treasure it in our heart as God starts to frame it out in us because it will always look a little bit different than the way you would have built it up. And what happens in that is this marvelous thing of what takes place that only God can do is that we end up at the place where we long to be but we couldn't have got there by ourselves. And what we have to do in our lives for the more to happen is say, God, I'm not good at being in charge of this stuff. I need to let you be God. One of my favorite movies is Rudy. And it's this diminutive little guy who wanted to play football at Notre Dame. But he had a heart of a lion, but he had the body of a, an Ewok. And uh, so, it's, uh, and so he, he gets in, and he's fighting for to get into Notre Dame from St. Mary's, and he's got his education up, but he can't get in. He's been befriended by a Catholic priest all along. And he went to the Catholic priest and says, I've done everything. I've got my grades up. I've applied. I've done everything you're supposed to do, but I can't get accepted. Is there anything you can do for me? And he turned to the Catholic. Is there anything? And the Catholic priest looked at him and says, listen, Rudy, I've been doing theology for at least 30 years now, and there's two irrefutable facts that I've come to understand. One, there is a God. Number two, I'm not him. (laughs) You know, when God says, who are you? You say, I'm the guy who longs to be who you said I could be. But I've been trying to build that on my own. I'm that guy. I'm the guy who's so afraid to let go because I won't arrive. I'm Jacob. I'm the manipulator. I'm the guy who's making it all work out. And I just need to know that ultimately where I arrive at in my life is something that you built in me and you helped me to arrive at. Now, he's not in there for that. He's not in there because he was prophesied and selected by God. He's not in there because he saw God Ascending to sin. He's not in there because he struggled with God. Why is he in there? Because he's an old man blessing his grandkids as he leans on a staff. There's got to be more to the story than that. And here's the cool part. There really is. You go read in the text of Scripture where that story is found that even Hosea didn't think was worth mentioning. And then you get into the story and you find out what happens. Jacob is about to die. And Joseph is going to bring his two grandsons. 
to him. In just a moment, I'm going to model this for you as I pray for your pastor. Something, by the way, my understanding is they appointed you as a pastor 25 years ago, but nobody laid hands on you. And so you asked me this morning if I would pray over you. I get to do that to set you apart as a leader in our family, but also just to say whatever blessing has been withheld because of the lack of covering when you started, it goes away today. And whatever God wants to release, it gets released. And the reason why is God said he has more for you. He has more for you. So, so that Joseph brings his two sons. And what are the names of his two sons? Ma- Manasseh? Are you saying that? Oh, oh, you are saying it. I thought it was a young man back there going, man, that guy's a scholar and a student. <laughs> it's Manasseh and Ephraim. And here's what Manasseh means. God has caused me to forget. Think about it. He was a teenager when he was sold by his brothers, faked his death, and sold them off to some drug traders on the way down to Egypt. When he got down there, he got accused falsely of raping his boss's wife. He gets thrown into prison, helps everybody else understand their dreams, but he gets forgotten. Don't you think somewhere along that line, here's a new song we could have sang, nobody knows the trouble I've seen, right? You know, we could have done that one. Uh, But it was, I mean, somewhere along those years, he's starting to think, hey, 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 somebody forgot about me, thank you very much. But he named his firstborn son, and what did he name him? Manasseh, the Lord has caused me to forget. Does that mean that God erased his memory of every painful experience that he had in his own family of origin? How he was treated inappropriately by those in authority? Or forgotten in some kind of prison situation as if he didn't matter? No, it's not that those memories are erased, but those memories got reinterpreted by the God who never abandoned him. You see, what removes the memory is not that we forget, but all of a sudden we see our pain in our past from his perspective as not an indication of his absence, but that God is uniquely present using the most horrifying of circumstances to shape us to be the kind of people who can be trusted with greatness. And so, Manasseh, the Lord has caused me to forget. All of a sudden, that pain, oh, I still remember how that hurt. I still remember being lonely. I still remember those issues. But I'm seeing it from God's perspective now. And that's why he could stand before his brothers in a position where he could have gotten even really good. But instead, he said these words to his brothers. What you meant for evil. Let's don't make any mistake about it. Some things that happen in our lives are intentionally meant to cause us to suffer. There are systemic issues of injustice. There are systems themselves that become corrupt and evil. And in that kind of stuff, that is very, very real. You meant it for evil, but... What did it happen? But God intended it for good... For what? For the saving of many. You're being formed in the image of Christ for the sake of others. 
And what happens in this story is Manasseh, the Lord's let me see something from his perspective. But he had a second son. The second son is named Ephraim. And Ephraim means to be fruitful. His very name. Now it's, it's like my kids. I have four kids, three daughters and one son. And help me, Jesus. But I, uh, <laughs> my three daughters, they all love tattoos. And so they, have, they tell stories. It's like, they're like walking totem poles. And, you know, it's like, you know, like, yeah, there's, that's when dad was, okay, never mind, let's don't go to that one. But, uh, but they, they tell a story. Now, my son is a Marine Corps officer, right? And he's the only one who doesn't have a tattoo in the family. I don't know. I don't know where that stuff comes from. Anyway, but there's this, this situation where when he is doing this and he's naming his son Ephraim, it's almost like him getting a tat right here on his shoulder. So, you know, right there, you see that? I got sold off by these guys. That man right there, you see that thing? That means I'm fruitful. Take that. Thank you very much. And his very son, every time he calls his name, Ephraim, he's reminding of the promises of God. God said he promised something about my life, and it came true in a way that I would have never imagined. And so I'm not only forgetting the past because I see it from God's perspective, but now I'm appreciating the future because now I've learned I've learned from my history that when I go through something, it's not to rob me from my future, it's to prepare me for my future. And now all of a sudden, I'm looking forward to something that you can't take away any longer. His name is Ephraim. And so built in to the very language of family, Jacob and Joseph are hearing this language of, be fruitful and multiply. Ephraim. And now the boys come to Grandpa. He can barely see, probably barely hear. He's an elderly man who's not going to be long away from death. And the reason he's leaning on his staff is because he needs all the help he can get. And he brings the two sons before him. Well, Williams, this is where you come before me. Come on up. I'm going to do it for both of you. But honey, why don't you come up and stand with me as well, okay? So you can help me, Charlene. And you'll do the same thing I do. I didn't, I didn't prep her. Just don't mess it up. It's on camera. And, you know, yeah, I just lost all my benefits for a month. Anyway, so, so <laughs> no pressure. Did I just say that online? I did. Lord, forgive that line. Okay. So Daddy walks up to the boys. And here's what Grandpa does. Now, I'll have to do it just to show it because I don't want you to feel either one of them are less blessed. But let's say you have your brother right here, okay? This is Manasseh. You're the younger brother, Ephraim. And Grandpa's situated just like this. Why? Because he's going to pray for both of them at the same time and bless them. And the right hand, the hand of blessing, that confers on the firstborn the double portion is getting ready to go to Manasseh. And the left hand, which is a land of judgment, doesn't mean that God hates you. It's just that he's rendering a verdict. And the verdict is you matter, but not as much as Manasseh, as the first part. He's going to have twice the responsibility. He needs twice the resources. But what does he do? You want to hold the mic here, dear? Thanks. When he walks up to pray for Manasseh and Ephraim, here's what Jacob does. Remember, he's blind. He can't see. He goes just like this. 
and he crosses his hands. He crosses his hands, and it so unnerves Joseph. Joseph goes, hey, hey, Dad, I know you can't see, and you're pretty old now, but uh, Manasseh's on your right. He's right in front of you, dude. Uh, put your right hand straight out. You're going to nail him, okay? You know, Ephraim's on your left. And here's what Jacob says, I know what I'm doing. And then he begins to pronounce a blessing. And what was the blessing? Ephraim, the younger son, is going to have the greater blessing. He knew what that was. He knew what it was to try to figure it out, manipulate it, and try to get to where he's at. But you know why he's in the Hall of Fame? Not because he saw God. Not because there was a prophecy over him that would he be special. He wasn't there because he wrestled with God. He was there because he was saying what God was saying. And what was God saying? I have more for you. He crossed his hands and passed the greater blessing on to Ephraim. Listen, you are celebrating your future. You're remembering your past. Your past is Manasseh. It matters. It, your past matters to God. Every one of you, no matter what your age, some of you who are older like me wish you could recraft some of those earlier years so that this would matter a little bit more. Some of you younger leaders, it's going to be a lot easier for you to think that the past matters, but you're looking forward to a future. But for every one of us, God says the same thing. I have more for you. And the right hand of blessing doesn't go to Manasseh. It's a hand of judgment. Yes, it matters. It matters a lot. But the blessing that God is pouring out today, the word he wants us all to receive, is the greater blessing is for the future. That his hand of blessing goes to Ephraim. Are you ready to embrace that kind of word in your life? When you say that God has more for you, it's the language of Scripture. It's the story of God over and over again. And it finds its way all the way into this chapter in Hebrews, chapter 11 on faith. And it simply says to people like you and I, the best hasn't happened yet. Why? Because God always has more. And are you ready for this? When you die, you get to say, the best has not happened yet. We always have more. Always. And so what I'm going to do today is I'm going to pray over your pastor. Patsy, you'll do the same for her. And we're going to ask God to do more. That all of what God has done up to this point, you've testified it already. It matters. But today's an Ephraim blessing. Today the right hand comes out, and the right hand says, God has more for you. And as I pray over your pastor, I'm going to ask you to extend your hand this way. And you got, don't get your left hand out there now. <laughs> don't be doing none of that left hand stuff. Get your right hand, you know, the other right hand. Yeah, okay. Get, get your right hand up, because what will happen as you extend your hand this way, you're not only saying, I agree with that for our pastor, but here's what I want you to hear in your heart. I'm receiving that for myself. I'm identifying with this. I identify with this. I'm raising my hand saying, count me in. 
And what you're doing is not only blessing him, but you're saying, Lord, I want to come underneath the blessing of Ephraim. I want to hear you say, you have more for me. Maybe we should even stand for a moment. Shall we do that? Thank you, Lord. Lord, we started off with a song from somebody we loved as a musician and a singer and as a person. We need to hear from you. Our, my prayer is, Lord, that we in fact have that your word to this pastoral couple, to this wonderful congregation, and even those who are guests today, that word's for them. They were brought here by your Holy Spirit, maybe to honor somebody or even to participate in the service. But that word is for them too. It's not just for the members of this church. It's for everybody who will choose to bring themselves under that word today. And we do that in the name of Jesus. I extend my right hand of blessing over Charles. I thank you, Lord, for his life and how you have formed him. I thank you, God, for the 25 years of leadership and loving a congregation that is in his heart. But now, Lord, it's not that that doesn't matter, but that because you say you have more for us, I speak that as a word of release over Charles. I'm going to let you define what that more looks like, but I ask that it would be so clearly understood and experienced that Charles would not only understand it happening, but those who've been around him, those who observe his life, would confirm it as well, that God is doing more. So now more, Lord, as he moves in leadership in our district to serve other leaders and be a voice to us. More to this congregation. More through his instrumentality and gifting. More happens through him. And I pray the same upon his dear wife, Lord, that in the spheres of influence that you've granted her, that more shall flow as well. And now for every member and friend in this congregation who has their hand extended this way, I pray in the name of Jesus upon this congregation, these gathered, from the youngest person here to the most mature of us around, I pray that, God, you would pour out more, that you have more for their lives, and that they would not view their history as their best act to date, but that the future is unfolding in ways that will be remarkably consistent with the word of promise. Be fruitful in the name of Jesus. Be fruitful and multiply. Thank you, Lord, for today, this celebration. Thank you for your word for us today. Now we bring ourselves under it as best we know how to do. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you, church. God bless you, church.